Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hey, listeners, it's Brad going out on a limb with this show and talking about general healthy living lifestyle principles to support your keto journey. We talk so much about the foods and the macronutrients, but those complementary lifestyle factors are so important to your success. So let's thread this into the mix and enjoy the title, Long Cuts to a Longer Life, because I'm sick of hearing about hacks and shortcuts, aren't you? So here's some things to think about in the areas of diet, exercise, sleep and lifestyle, relationships, stress management, getting your whole big picture together to support your ketogenic goals. I'm going to simulcast this show on my new podcast, which is titled Get Over Yourself. I think you will love this show. I broaden my content from the topic of ketogenic eating or endurance training on the Primal Endurance Podcast and get an assortment of super interesting guests from all walks of life talking about peak performance, personal growth, health, fitness, longevity, happiness, relationships, overcoming self-limiting beliefs, and using a little humor and spice at times bringing my personality out there, of course, with the show title, you know you're going to get unplugged and have some fun. So go check out the Get Over Yourself podcast, and you'll realize that this particular show uh, will be repeated with a separate intro, of course, uh, but so much other good stuff. I think you're really going to love it. Thanks for giving it a chance. Get Over Yourself. Check out bradkearns.com for all the background and detailed written content supporting the recordings. For now, let's talk about a bigger picture of leading the keto-friendly lifestyle. Here we go. So much controversy, so much detail, so much confusion, splitting hairs, people that are so far into the diet thing that they're obsessed with the different choices they face every day and the macronutrient profiles and analyzing and charting everything on computer. We got to take a few steps backward and just talk about eating clean, colorful, nutritious foods that are as close to their natural state as possible. The great thought leaders like Michael Pollan writing his books that just talk about healthy, clean eating. And if it happens to be meat, yes, go source some delicious, nutritious, grass-fed beef. That stat is sticking in my mind from Wild Idea Buffalo and the visions on their website, wildideabuffalo.com, where you see these beautiful animals roaming free on the prairie and digging deeper and noticed how they're harvested in a humane manner as compared to the unbelievable operation that is America's feedlot, concentrating animal feedlot operations. Oh my goodness, the filth, the disgust, the unhealthy environment and circumstances in which our mainstream animals are raised and slaughtered in these slaughterhouses. Read Fast Food Nation, a fantastic book by Eric Schlosser, also made into a documentary movie, and you can see 
oh my goodness, the health risks and concerns when we talk about the packing houses and the conglomerates that oversee this mass production of beef for our enjoyment. Stat from Wild Idea Buffalo, 40 million cattle are slaughtered each year as opposed to only 60,000 buffalo. So considering uh, switching over to buffalo meat, it tastes better. Why not? WildIdeaBuffalo.com is your start. How about that for a commercial threaded into the content? Yeah, but eating clean, colorful, nutritious foods. Dr. Peter Atia in my great show with him, episode number two, he says, yeah, how about just eating stuff your great-grandmother could have eaten? Here's a guy in the very forefront of the science, deep into the ketogenic world for many years, and he spouts off that simple common sense insight. Instead of going deep into the particulars, just eat stuff that was around 100 years ago. Mainly, or most importantly for your health, is to ditch grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils, especially the vegetable oil component. I want you to have zero tolerance for that from this day forward for the rest of your life. There's absolutely no reason to consume any of this. However, it's pervasive. It's everywhere. So you have to be very careful in restaurants. Ask for your meals to be cooked in butter instead of vegetable oil. Throw away any bottles that you see in your house or any of your friends' and family's house. Don't even tell them. You don't want to get into an argument. Just toss the stuff. Replace it with a bottle of avocado oil from (laughs) primalblueprint.com. Also, with diet, don't get so stressed about it. This condition of orthorexia is becoming more common among health enthusiasts, and that is an unnatural and unhealthy fixation with being perfect or being uh, the highest, best dietary choice at all times. Sometimes you're going to do the best you can. And that's going to be okay as long as you have a heightened awareness for everything that you're putting into your mouth and the consequences of your choices. Next, make sure that your mealtimes are calm, relaxed, unhurried, a restaurant-type experience every time you sit down and enjoy food, one of the great pleasures of life. This makes a huge difference in your digestion the quality of the food that you eat is going to be compromised if you're grabbing it and throwing it into your mouth on the run or while you're driving in traffic. So make meal times a special celebratory education. Chew each bite carefully and completely. I believe the recommendation is to chew each bite 30 times. (laughs) Count yourself sometime. You'll find you might be falling a little short, like three to four or seven if you're lucky. Yeah, chew and chew and chew. That's the initiation of the digestive process with the salivary enzymes contributing to breaking down your food and getting it ready to be absorbed and assimilated as good nutrition by the body. Also, strive to adhere to this digestive circadian rhythm. This is from the exciting new research from Dr. Sachin Panda at UC San Diego. He's all over the internet, has done some great podcasts with Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and his research uh, has shown that it's an extreme health benefit to eat inside a maximum time frame of 12 hours a day. So you don't want to be eating 
in a larger time window than 12 hours. If you wake up and eat something at 8 a.m., finish eating by 8 p.m. At the most, of course, the people in the primal paleo keto community are talking about compressed eating windows and intermittent fasting and extending the time from which you're not eating because this is when the immune function and cellular repair is optimized when you're in a fasted state. So people are striving to eat in eight-hour time windows, very popular practice, or even smaller time windows. Todd White, Dry Farm Wines, eats one meal every day. He eats dinner and that's it. He doesn't eat. (laughs) So he's basically fasting for 24 hours every single day. 23, let's say, if the dinner takes a long time, which it does because those guys go out and celebrate many nights a week if you work for Dry Farm Wines. Good stuff. My podcast with him coming soon. So 12-hour maximum digestive circadian window. Uh, we want to strive for that metabolic flexibility. That means the ability to bur- burn a variety of fuel sources, most particularly stored body fat for energy. So that means a grand, fabulous transition away from the disastrous state of carbohydrate dependency that pretty much represents the standard American diet, the modern dietary habits in the developed world. And if you are a carb-dependent person, that means you can't function very well. If you so much as skip a single meal, you are most likely doomed to a lifetime of fatigue, illness, suffering, disease, early death from type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancer. No offense, but these are the leading killers of humans in the developed world on the planet today, and they are strongly associated with a carbohydrate-dependency dietary pattern of constant excess caloric consumption, lifelong insidious weight gain, increased oxidative stress and inflammation due to the nature of the food, and the excess insulin production. It's called hyperinsulinemia, and these are the leading disease patterns of modern life. This is undisputed by medical science, and people on all sides of the fence realize that metabolic syndrome, strongly driven by excess insulin production, represents the number one health concern in modern life. How do you escape from this trap? You become metabolically flexible by developing the ability to burn stored energy, skip meals, subsist on healthy, nutritious fats as your prominent fuel source in the diet, and tone down the consumption of refined grains and sugars, which drive you into carbohydrate dependency. Okay, moving on to exercise, and it's coming about that the number one most important exercise factor is turning out to be increased general everyday movement. Thank you, Katie Bowman, visionary, promoter of nutritious movement, not a fitness freak or any of that, but just talking about the importance of everyday movement and those types of ideas are rising into prominence as very likely more important than doing actual workouts, more important than your gym membership, your weekly mileage, your commitment to these fitness protocols that are very narrow in nature, narrow in focus. Even if you're a CrossFit person, the broad-based fitness uh, protocol in CrossFit is still just a workout. It's still only an hour of your day. Or if you go four times a week, which is probably too much, we're only talking about a small sliver of your overall lifestyle experience. So finding ways to move more in all manner of everyday life, that is your number one objective for exercise, especially 
uh, getting rid of periods of prolonged stillness by getting up and taking physical breaks. It could be just doing 20 deep squats in your cubicle and sitting back down if you can't get up and walk for seven minutes around the office courtyard. But we have so much opportunity to do this and we're getting super lazy. A lot of it's what Katie Bowman calls the lazy athlete's mentality where because we did our hour workout, we did wake up and get on the spinner bike at 6.30 for the high energy class, so we're allowed to be a slug the rest of the day. And this mentality is both conscious and subconscious. So the exercise population is at particular risk for something called the active couch potato syndrome. This is where people who have a devoted commitment to fitness nevertheless reveal the same disease patterns, and risk factors as sedentary population. And it's because that one-hour workout in the gym or on the road does not counteract a long commute, a desk job, and consuming your digital entertainment during your leisure time such that you're inactive for 20, 21, 22, 23 hours a day. Okay, so increasing general everyday movement, number one priority, more important than workouts, in tandem with that goal of just moving more every day is to be absolutely certain that you avoid anything resembling a chronic exercise pattern. This is so common in the fitness community where people get into it, they're having fun, they're getting that endorphin buzz after these high-intensity spin classes or boot camps or CrossFit workouts or joining the running club and preparing for the upcoming half marathon or marathon. It's go, go, go. It feels great for a while. But what you're doing is you're overstimulating the stress response. So you are buzzed on stress hormones. You feel great. You have more energy. Life is good. Might even be losing some excess body fat, making all this progress in fitness. But if it becomes a chronic pattern and that overstimulation of stress hormones will eventually trash your immune system, trash your endocrine function, and you will suffer from breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury. This is the dirty little best-kept secret in the fitness industry. Vinny Tortorich talks about this on his show, Fitness Confidential, that people are exercising too hard, too strenuously. The trainers are guilty, the class teachers, the purveyors of exercise Uh, programs are all going for that low-hanging fruit of giving you that endorphin buzz and, of course, a nice balance to uh, an inactive lifestyle. You get to the gym, you blow off some steam, you sweat, it feels good, but we have to step back and take a big-picture look and realize that when you conduct high-intensity workouts, they have a high stress factor, so they require a lot of rest and recovery and general everyday movement in between. You don't need to do it four times a week. So toning down those high-intensity or those strenuous workouts in favor of gentle everyday movement. As the primal blueprint principles communicate, your objectives for exercise, these are the genetically optimal exercise patterns, consists of moving frequently at a slow pace, lifting heavy things, and sprinting once in a while. That's the optimal fitness protocol based on the historical experience of our ancestors. So this moving frequently at a slow pace entails, yeah, walking around more, taking breaks, doing your squats, doing your flexibility drills, but also conducting structured cardiovascular workouts at comfortable aerobic heart rate 180 minus your age or less. 
okay? Pairing that with regular strength training sessions. They need not be long in duration. You can get a lot done in 15, 20, or 30 minutes, and you never need to exercise longer than 30 minutes during a strength workout because if you do, you'll overstimulate stress hormones. Sprinting, brief duration, all-out sprints that give you that spike of adaptive hormones, hormones that help you get better and stronger in the future and delay the aging process. So pretty simple fitness protocol, not so time-consuming, but making a big difference. And that is going to be a part one finish line for long cuts to a longer life. We will cover the sleep relationships, stress management techniques in a different show. Thank you for listening to this one. Get that diet and exercise dialed. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. Oh yeah, on. she so, she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. And uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs>